You know, for quite some time, a large percentage of the religious community has primarily focused on prosperity. As a matter of fact, my computer dictionary has a definition for the prosperity gospel as a materialistic Christian belief concerned with material wealth and possessions at the expense of spiritual or intellectual values. That's sad. I'm going to say that again just in case you weren't listening. The prosperity gospel as a materialistic Christian belief concerned with material wealth and possessions at the expense of spiritual or intellectual values. So it, it appears that they, they don't seem to be interested in knowing and understanding the word of God in truth. Many view that having an intellectual understanding of the word of God is heresy. They believe that the blessings of the Lord are measured in dollars and in cents, in expensive cars and big houses. They believe in what they can see, what they can taste, what they can touch, what they can feel, and most of all, what they can have. This doctrine is pervasive. It's everywhere, spread like a cancer, and it directly, directly opposes the gospel of Jesus Christ. How do we know? Luke 12, 15. Luke 12, 15. Jesus says it very well. Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Can't get any clearer than that. He says covetousness which is an inordinate desire to have things. He says, take heed, listen, beware, be on guard, and be aware of your inordinate desire to have things. Why? Because your life, your existence, your self-worth cannot be measured in what you have. You are not what you have. As one writer says, what is necessary, God gives liberally. What is necessary, God gives liberally. What is superfluous, he has not promised. Nor can a man's life be preserved by the abundance of his possessions. Paul, talking to Timothy, 1 Timothy 6.5, 1 Timothy 6.5 he talks about ministers who preach the prosperity gospel. He says, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such, withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Oh, and here he comes. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we will carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, 
Let us be there with content. Can't get any clearer than that. And he says they're of corrupt minds. They're destitute of the truth. They're destitute of the truth. In other words, they might be rich in material things and in possessions, but they're very poor in truth. They preach that the blessings of the Lord are measured in things. And Paul says when you hear this doctrine, withdraw yourself, run. Understand that their messages are against God. And then he makes a most profound statement, which we've heard already. He says, we came into this world without material possessions, and we leave without material possessions. As a matter of, matter of fact, we come into this world without any clothes. We don't have, we're, as the little boy said, we're stitched starch naked. And we're going to leave that way, stitched starch naked. Now, I said all of that so we can understand the context of John's third epistle. John's third epistle. It's only one chapter, too, very profound chapter. John's third epistle, verse 1. John's third epistle, verse 1. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth, Beloved, or beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, verse 11, jump to verse 11. Follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. So first we see that John refers to Gaius as beloved. And in this context, beloved is more than just a term of endearment. Beloved is also a designation of those who are in Christ and favorites of God. Remember that? In Paul's salutation to the saints at Rome, uh, Rome uh, chapter 1, verse 7, don't go there, but in his salutation to the saints in Rome, he says, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's Romans 1.7. And then to the saints at Ephesus, he has a similar salutation. Ephesians 1 verse 6, he says, To the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So he says the saints, those born of the water and of the spirit, are accepted into the beloved, and the beloved are of God. 
The beloved are of God. Beloved of God. If you've been baptized in Jesus' name, if you've got the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, then you are beloved of God. You are his favorite. We are his favorites. We're his precious and chosen people. The beloved are covered by the Holy Ghost. The beloved are privileged. You want to be privileged? Get saved. That's a privilege. And the beloved have access now to divine intelligence which facilitates their spiritual prosperity. Because if you live by the word of God, I guarantee you, you will prosper. And so John addresses Gaius as beloved of God and one of God's favorites. So you know what this tells me? It tells me that Gaius was baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. And because Gaius is beloved of God, John wishes that he prosper and be in health as his soul prospers. So what we see then is that spiritual prosperity begins with being the beloved of God. That's where it starts. Now, we kind of understand how we prosper and are in good health physically. We don't suffer chronic illness. Our basic needs are met, and we're able to meet our financial obligations without stress. And the Lord promises to take care of our needs. Luke 12, 22, Jesus says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, neither for your body, what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. So he says, take no thought. Don't be overly concerned about having your needs met. Your life, your soul is more valuable than things. And who you are is not according to to what you wear, because if who you were was according to what you wear, you would have been born wearing something. Jesus says you're concerned about the wrong things. Verse 31, he says, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. He's telling you it's a no-brainer. You don't have to worship things. You don't have to worship prosperity. You don't have to listen to all that nonsense because it's a waste of time. Seek the kingdom and I'll make sure you have it all. Concern yourself with increasing your knowledge and understanding of the word of God. And if you live according to what you know and you live according to what you understand, the righteousness of God guarantees that all your needs will be met. Your flesh will have what it needs, and your soul will have what it needs. You will prosper and be in good health as your soul prospers. Oh, but you got to believe it, and you got to do it. So the question is then, how does the soul prosper? Well, first we must understand that spiritual prosperity is different from secular prosperity. Secular is the prosperity of the world. Spiritual prosperity is holistic, which means it covers every area and every aspect of your life. And this is why John wishes that Gaius prosper in both body and soul. On the other hand, secular prosperity is the abundance of money and material things. It's purely physical. You can have $2 million in the bank and be miserable. 
You can be tormented. You can be afraid. You can be paranoid. You can be depressed. You can hang yourself. Because they do. Because money doesn't stop them from killing themselves. I was looking on the internet. Uh, 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 Robin Williams had a beautiful estate in Northern California that he built. It was beautiful. And he hung himself because he didn't have the Holy Ghost. He didn't have Jesus. He was without hope. He had money. He had fame. He had it all, but he didn't have what he needed. He had prosperity, but he didn't have Jesus. Because the Lord won't let you kill yourself. So prosperity of the soul differs from prosperity of the flesh. The prosperity of the flesh is temporal. It's just right now. The prosperity of the soul is eternal, carries you all the way into eternity. The flesh has physical needs. The soul has spiritual needs. Listen, the flesh doesn't worry. You think your flesh worries. Your flesh doesn't worry. Your soul worries. The flesh doesn't fear. The soul does. The flesh is only concerned with having a constant flow of sensual experiences. I want to touch it. I want to taste it. I want to feel it. I want to eat it. I want to have it. And I want to have as much as I can get. And when I can't get any more, I still want some more. The flesh doesn't fear death and separation from God because the flesh is already separated from God. The soul does. The flesh doesn't experience sorrow. The soul does. Listen, the flesh ignores the consequences of its choices and leaves the soul to clean up the mess. The flesh ignores the consequences of its choices and leaves the soul to figure out how to clean it up. And ultimately, that's what the flesh is going to do. The flesh is going to eat and eat and eat and have and have and have and have and do this and do that and do everything against God and then leave the soul to answer for it. The flesh is only concerned with things that satiate the appetite. But the soul is not concerned with the appetites of the flesh. However, the soul is held in bondage by the desires of the flesh. Listen, the flesh is self-centered. The soul is Christ-centered. The flesh is temporal and desires the temporal. The soul is eternal and desires the eternal. So we know now that spiritual prosperity begins with being the beloved of God. But how do we experience this? How do we experience spiritual prosperity? Third uh, uh, epistle of John, verse 3. He says, For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. So our soul prospers when it walks in truth. But how do we walk in truth? Well, in the Greek, walk is parapateo. Parapateo. P-E-R-I-P-A-T-E-O, parapateo. It means to regulate and conduct one's life. To regulate and conduct one's life. 
In the Greek, truth is aletheia. Aletheia, truth, aletheia. It is authenticity, divine reality, and revelation. Truth is authenticity, divine reality, the reality of God, and revelation. So to walk in truth, then, is to regulate and conduct our lives according to authenticity, according to divine reality, according to the revelation of God through his word. Is this making sense to you? Now notice that, that John says Gaius has the truth within him. The Holy Ghost is what? The spirit of truth, which means Gaius has the Holy Ghost. And the truth is in him, which means he has the means by which his soul can prosper. You can't prosper without the Holy Ghost. Therefore, Gaius now is able to regulate and conduct his life with authenticity. What do I mean by that? He can be true to himself. He can be real as he interacts with others. He can be free and comfortable in his own skin. Have you ever seen folks that just didn't seem to be comfortable in their own skin? Well, Gaius was. Gaius can regulate and conduct his life according to divine reality. He sees things the way they are, not how he wants them to be. He knows who he is in Christ, what he is in Christ, and what he has in Christ. Gaius can, can regulate and conduct his life according to divine revelation. He has the mind of Christ. Therefore, he is able to comprehend the word of God in the context of righteousness and holiness. Therefore, his soul will prosper. Now, we're talking about Gaius. But God is no respecter of persons. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We are no different than Gaius. The same spirit that was in him is in every one of us who have been born of the water and of the spirit. Therefore, we too can walk in truth. We can regulate and conduct our lives according to authenticity. We can be true to yourself. Don't lie to yourself. Be true. Be real with yourself. We don't have to be fake and phony. We can be as real as we can when we interact with others. We can be comfortable with who we are. We can regulate and conduct our lives according to divine reality. We can see things the way they are because the Lord will make it so that we can see things the way they are. And we don't have to deal with things the way, we can deal with things the way they are, not the way we wish they would be. We know who we are in Christ. We know what we are in Christ. We know what we have in Christ. We're children of the King. We can regulate our, our, our we can regulate and conduct our lives according to divine revelation. We have the mind of Christ. If you got the Holy Ghost, you have the mind of Christ, and we can see beyond the fictitious reality of this wicked and evil world. We live in a world of fiction. Nothing is as it seems. Oh, but because we've got the Holy Ghost, because we can see things through the eyes of God, we know who's real and who is not. We know what's for us and what is not. 
We can comprehend the word of God in the context of righteousness and holiness. Therefore, by the power of God, by the power of the Holy Ghost and the spirit of truth that is in us, we can prosper, really prosper, truly prosper, not according to the standards of the world, but the standards of the living God. How do we walk in truth, Pastor? We walk with the spirit of truth. We walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are of the spirit do mind the things of the spirit. That's Romans 8, 4. So we concern ourselves with spiritual things. Our values are spiritual. Our reality is spiritual. Our aspirations are spiritual. Our hope is for spiritual things. Someone say, we wear this world like a loose garment, ready for it to fall off at any time. Our trust, listen, our trust is not in the riches of this world. Our trust is in the son of the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Did you get that? We don't trust in the riches of this world. Our trust is in Christ Jesus, the son of the living God, who promises to give us richly all things to enjoy. All things to enjoy. That means you won't lack anything. That's why I said the prosperity of the Lord is holistic. It covers everything. Completely covers your life, just like the Holy Ghost covers your soul. How do we walk in truth? This I say then. Walk in the spirit. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another. So you cannot do the things that you would. But if ye be led by the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Galatians 5, 16. So when we walk in truth, Brother Winston, we walk in the Spirit of God. When we say that song, woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. Walking and talking with my mind stayed on Jesus. Walking and talking with the Holy Ghost and my mind is stayed on Jesus. So we don't live according to the lusts of our flesh. We know that our flesh is against God and against us. We know that our flesh is under the law of sin. But our souls are free from the law of sin. We're dead to the law of sin. Paul says, for I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.19. So yes, we're still in this body of flesh. But the life we live in this body of flesh, we live unto God. We live by the life of Christ and by the power of the Holy Ghost dwelling in our souls. We can't help but prosper. 
We live by faith in God. We live by faith. We walk by faith. We live by faith. We conduct ourselves by faith. And we are guaranteed to have all that we need. Our faith is in God. Our hope is in God. Our trust is in God. Our peace is in God. In Christ, we do live and move and have our being. We walk in the spirit. We walk in truth. We walk in the newness of life. We belong to Christ. We're the beloved of Christ. He loves us. He loves us in a way that we can't even imagine. We're the beloved. And he says we're accepted into the beloved, which means we are in a place of love. We are in a position with God. We are in a position of his love. We're in a position of his grace. We are in a position to spiritually prosper as our souls prosper. And he says, and they that are our Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.24 So when we live in the Spirit, we walk in the Spirit. When we walk in the Spirit, we walk in truth. We live in the Spirit, we walk in the Spirit. When we walk in the Spirit, we walk in truth. When we walk in truth, we will prosper and be in health as our soul prospers. So, this was a short message today because I wasn't feeling good. So, if you desire to prosper and be in health as your soul prospers, John tells you what to do. Verse 11. Beloved, so he's talking to saints. He's not talking to ants. Anytime you see beloved in the scripture, that's, that's to you. Because you're the beloved. He says, follow that which is, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. So here's the deal. If you do evil, you know what you're going to get? You're going to get evil. If you do evil, you're going to get evil. You reap what you sow. But listen, if you do good, you'll prosper. You'll prosper. It's a no-brainer. It really is. Take a hold of your flesh and say, flesh, you're not leading me into no evil. I'm not doing evil. I want good for myself. Jesus wants good for me, and I want good for myself. You do evil, you're going to get some evil. And it always comes back stronger than you gave it. So that means if it comes back stronger than you, when you gave it, when you do good, it also comes back stronger than you gave it. So we thank the Lord that we prosper. We prosper because we do what the word says. We love one another. We care about one another. We try and help where we can help. And that's it, y'all. Hallelujah. 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 
Glory, 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 glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for real, true prosperity. Bless your holy name. Anyone in need of prayer this morning? Anyone in need of prayer?